Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. I am super excited for today's uh, guest, Dr. Shara Downey. Um, I'll get more to her in a sec. Um, but yeah, we had a great conversation and I think you're really going to like it. We cover so many different topics. So I just was reminded a couple of days ago while I was talking to another podcast host, just about how amazing you guys are. Um, I think it's really easy when you get a taste of um, success or you like blow a goal out of the water, you kind of instantly set that next goal and you start comparing yourself up. And um, I was reminded just how abnormal um the success of this podcast is because, you know, we get like seven times, seven, eight, nine times the normal listenership for a podcast, you know, like a normal podcast, not like Jenna Kutcher, or Rachel Hollis or some shit like that. But and so, you know, it was just a very gratifying, gra great, grateful, humbling. I don't know all those words, none of those words, whatever moment where I just was like, wow, that's right. Thank you so much for where I am. Thank you to each one of you that listens and, you know, posts on Instagram and writes a review and sends me messages. Um, I've said it so many times, but it is just, it really makes my day. And I appreciate you guys a lot. Um, and I think the lesson there is too, is wherever you are in practice, or wherever you are in life, remember that there's a version of you a year ago, or five years ago, that would have looked and gone, holy cow, if I get to that point, I would just be so grateful. And there's likely a version of you right now, looking forward on whether it's weight, or how many people you're adjusting a week, or maybe there's a book that you're going to write and you want to sell, or maybe it's Instagram followers, or maybe it's getting pregnant, you know, you're having trouble with that, whatever it is. Um, I feel like it's so hard to not go like when I get there, then all the pieces will fall together and I'll be, I'll be complete and I will be able to rest and I will love myself and I will feel worthy. And I just want to remind you that you are so worthy right now. 
And younger you would think you are a freaking badass just right now. So it doesn't mean you can't have goals, but just try and do whatever you can to just be so appreciative of what you're accomplishing right now today, because it's probably bomb ass. And if you need a pep talk and you don't think you're bomb ass, send me a message. I will talk you up, girl. Okay, so with that, I have a, uh, what's not a testimonial? What is this? It's not really a review either. It's just a nice little message that I got from someone. Uh, Dr. Haley says, thank you so much for the space you've created and the voice that you've given female chiropractors with this podcast. Truly informative, real, and inspirational. And that is exactly what I was going for, Dr. Haley. You forgot funny, though. Um, so if you could just, like, rewrite that email and incorporate, like, oh, my gosh, you're really funny. Um I'd, I'd appreciate it. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I'm really the only one in my family that thinks I'm funny. Even my daughter goes, eh, dad's funnier. Okay, so today's guest is actually, I almost said today's host. I'm still the host, uh, but she is the host of a podcast, a chiropractic podcast called The Common Sense Practice. Her name is Dr. Shara Downey, and she's a speaker, coach, and chiropractor. Um, she's had four kids and started two practices and has a passion for heart, brain, and body alignment and mindset clarity for practice impact and growth. She's worked domestically and overseas and believes in the necessity for women to stand up and be a leader even when not comfortable. I'm so excited to have her on today. She's got an incredible story that you will see. I just like get very in the weeds, like involved in, and then what happens? Um, she's got a really cool take on um, your gut instinct. Uh, that's a little opposite to a lot of other people. And I found it very interesting. And I think you will too. And I'm so excited to share her with y'all today. So before we do that, you know what we're going to do, we're going to pray. So nestle in close, take a deep breath. Dear God, thanks so much for just the privilege and all of the blessings that you give people um, that are listening to those not listening. Thank you for stories um, of people across the world like Dr. Shara that show us how different we all are and how we all share so many of just the same, the same basic thoughts, the same basic emotions, the same basic drives and the same basic fears and worries. Um, help us to see everyone that we encounter in our day as someone that we share more in common with um, and to learn to love and seek those commonalities instead of differences. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, crew, here is another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. Enjoy. Love it. Press record so I don't forget. Have you ever forgotten to press record? Oh, yeah. You have. It's like my deepest, darkest fear. Yeah. Or at least like for the first four or five minutes. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, got to ask that, that question again. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Kirby's always <laughs> mad at me because I'll press record so I don't forget. But then I like have like a really good, like little juicy conversation with someone. And he's like, oh, why couldn't you like do an intro and then have that conversation later? I'm like, listen, man, it just happens when it happens. <laughs> 
Okay. So Dr. Shara, welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, I love having podcast hosts on because you're so good at conversation. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there are some podcast hosts out there that are not pleasant. Um, Yes, but you're not one of them, I don't think. I was just on your podcast a couple weeks ago. And yeah. had a delightful time. Um, so I was like, okay. yeah, we had fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could have talked for quite a bit. Um, yeah. But it's funny, the time zone difference that we are like, because mm-hmm. you're 5 a.m. right now. Yes, correct. Yes. Because yeah. you're in what country? Where are you? <laughs> uh, I'm in Singapore, which is a tiny little red dot at the bottom of Malaysia. Most people have never heard of it. And they think Shanghai or China. Ah. <laughs> Right. And then us Westerners are like, oh, yeah, I I generally know where that is. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Can you tell me where it is in reference to China? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then it's four o'clock my time. So like you're thinking coffee, I'm thinking gin and soda. (laughs) Slightly different wavelength. So, um, okay. So I am, I honestly know very little about you. Um, Mm -hmm. except that you are very pleasant to talk to. You have a podcast that's very pleasant to listen to and entertaining. Um, And I see pictures on Instagram, but I don't really know like how you were in the U.S. Like what, what's up, Dr. Sher? What's your story? (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) You're doing cool Um, things. Who are you? (laughs) I honestly am someone who cannot sit still. So I well, went to oh, Hold on. Are you, well, do you know your Enneagram? I told you I wasn't going to interrupt you, but I had to. <laughs> I'm trying to just start asking everybody before I hit record. Like, do you know what the Enneagram is? Do you know your number? Because it's going to come out at some point. It's been about 90 seconds and I needed to know. <laughs> if you said that one sentence, you can't stop still. Um, honestly, I've done it many times. I can't remember. I want to say nine nine. Mm. Okay, listeners, do we believe her? She said the phrase, (laughs) I can't sit, stop, or I can't sit still. Okay, it's all right. We we can keep going. I'll diagnose. (laughs) Which is, by the way, I will be, (laughs) I will be so happy to be proven wrong. It's okay. Okay, Okay, so anyway, we're interrupted. No, I just, I'm, I, uh, ah, I don't even remember what I was saying. Okay, so I can't really sit still. I grew up in the West Coast of Canada and knew I wanted to travel, but never wanted to take time away to do that. So I thought, well, what better way than, hey, study and kind of do something cool when I go travel so I don't have to come home at any specific time. So I did my undergrad in the US. I was in California for four years. And then I did my um, chiropractic college in Toronto, Canada. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Okay, you kind of like really gave me like the two sentence version. <laughs> well, the three sentence version is that the whole time I was in Toronto, I was like, oh, where can I go that would be cool and fun? And I'd done some missions trips when I was in um, high school and I'd been to Southeast Asia. So I traveled around Thailand and worked in refugee camps. And so I kind of had a feel that it would be cool. I mean, not I say I would be comfortable, but I was here for a week. So how would I know really? Um, but I looked all over and I uh, interviewed for a job in Australia and in the UK and coming from the city of Toronto, which is four or 5 million people. I was like, Oh, I can't really go to some shire in the middle of the UK. (laughs) That might be, I don't know, 500 people from being in this massive city. 
And so I just kind of kept looking east. And uh, I came out and interviewed in Singapore and Malaysia. And I was actually supposed to take the job in Malaysia. It was the bells and whistles, right? Like um, they had the apartment for me. The clinic was amazing, brand new, painted the white. Like they helped me pick the color swatches. Like it was fabulous. And it just felt a little dodgy for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. really dodgy. And I'm glad I listened to my instincts. So I came to Singapore, had no interviews lined up. And I thought, well, I'm here in this part of the world. So I just started. You just went to Singapore. Wait, were you in Malaysia at this point? Okay, so so in Malaysia, it felt dodgy. And you're like, I'm just going to go to another random country and hope it doesn't feel dodgy. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, basically my whole measurement of life is don't feel dodgy. (laughs) So if it's not good, (laughs) keep on moving. Um, So no, I was in Malaysia for interviews. I hadn't started work, but the guy was so excited about, you know, we'd been corresponding for five months online and he's like, yeah, this will work. Dr. Cher, this is great. So he actually started building this clinic around me and I was to go home. They were going to apply for my my pass and then I would come back. And it felt great from what I was hearing, but it was that feeling inside me that I was like, it's too easy. And I don't know, Maybe I'm someone that likes, not suffering, but, you know, I like to have a bit of a a chase, right? Yeah. And so while I was here in this part of the world, I was just like, well, where else can I go? And I had a friend who from Canada had gone to Australia, but she had interviewed in Singapore. So again, I didn't even know this country existed, didn't even know the name of it. And I just thought, oh, look, it's across the border. I'll go down there. So yeah, hopped on the bus, came down here, and I just started knocking on doors. Uh, hadn't even researched online what clinics were here. Doors, right? Correct. Okay, <laughs> just, just clarifying little parts of the story. My brain's like, and this is right after chiropractic. No, uh, about two, uh, about a year and a half. So I worked okay. in Toronto and Detroit for a while. So okay. Yeah. All right. You're just um, walking around Singapore, knocking yeah. on doors. Do you need a chiropractor? <laughs> well, uh, it was chiropractic doors, but. I did end up in someone's house for a week and I'll share that story with you as well. (laughs) So yeah, just no, I knocked on doors, saw if they needed any kind of associates and and whatnot. So I interviewed with two of the big chains. And so this is what happened. One of the gentlemen who ran the big chains knew had come. And while I was arranging to come down said, look, I'll, we'll put you up in a hotel. So just come on over uh, and we'll arrange that. So I showed up at like two in the morning went to the hotel. They didn't have my name. I had to register. And, and you know, you're just, I mean, a new grad, you're not going to have a ton of money for, I barely had yeah. money for the ticket, let alone hotels. So at that night I was like, okay, I'll spend the night here because it's two in the morning. I don't know this country, but I, I'll have to find a hostel or something in the morning. And so in between me moving out of the hotel and going to the hostel, I decided to knock on doors. And I showed up at one of the clinics and it was the clinic of this gentleman I was supposed to interview with only to find out he was gone for the week. He wasn't even in the country. What? Yeah, it was, it was fabulous. <laughs> so from what I know about you so far, everything is not lining up. So you're like, this is good. This is good because before everything was just a little too perfect. Something yeah. seems wrong. So now you're like, oh, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Everything's going wrong. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I was just like, oh, okay, this is my message. Um, and so one of the, the associates that was working at the time, super friendly, and she was just like, well, where are you staying? I, I told her the hostel. And she was like, no, here's my key card. Here's my key. This is where my condo is. Why don't you stay the week with me? I met her for five minutes. 
five minutes. I was like, oh, okay. And I could trust her because, you know, she's, she's from New York. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So yeah, I didn't even end up moving in the hostel. I just went and got my suitcases and I moved into her place. <laughs> and she finished working the day and came home and I was in her house. <laughs> so then by the time this guy gets back, she's like, you have to hire her. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> so we had, we had that week together and she kind of showed me places to go check out. She had worked for this company for a year already and said, you know, it's not bad, but these are the places to look at. So I interviewed with other places. This guy never showed the whole week until I was flying out the Friday and she, he showed literally the Thursday night. And so I interviewed with him, but at this point I'd already accepted another offer because he wasn't around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I accepted the other offer, went home and was home for three or four months and, you know, packing stuff up and telling family and telling them it's for real, I'm leaving. Um, and uh, yeah, then made my way over here. So how many years ago was that? How long have you been in practice? Uh, well, I've been in practice for 16 and a half years and this was 15 years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So have you been in Singapore for 15 years now? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, I'm going to ask, I've been to Thailand and Malaysia. Um, where in Malaysia were you? Uh, Kuala Lumpur. My sister was uh, teaching English there. And so, um, really funny that you say like it was dodgy because Mm, like my sister, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I think she's here. She's fine. Right. A miracle protector. <laughs> she basically had to flee the country because her English, like the school that she was working for, like mm-hmm. they, like they put her up in the thing and they're like, no, 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 no. We'll get your visa. Don't worry. Oh, there's a little issue with like, uh, the government, like there was a switch over. And so like, months kept going and they're paying her cash and she's like I really need to get my visa (laughs) and then like I think I think an employee quit and like said he reported everyone so she (gasps) so she was like (laughs) (laughs) Minneapolis yeah so um no but that that's so true so that's it's such a good thing I had that dodgy feeling because after moving here friends of mine who worked up there that I'd met same thing. Oh yeah. Come on in. We'll during your probation, we'll let you work under the table. We'll get your pass. Mm-hmm. And they'd be there 34 or five months. And they left, unfortunately not being paid. So they worked for free for clinics for four or five months. Didn't get an employment pass, didn't get money and had to be like, let's get out of Dodge. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like your gut was correct in that. <laughs> um, so is what is practice like in Singapore? Like, you know, we kind of say chiropractic, I shouldn't say we, I, if I had to put chiropractic in Western medicine versus Eastern medicine, I know I would prefer to be associated with like Eastern medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's just kind of the way I practice. There's a lot of chiropractors who would like vomit and go like, no, I want to prescribe and be much more considered Western. But if we have to make two camps, so what is it like being a chiropractor truly surrounded by Eastern medicine? Okay. So the thing about Singapore, <laughs> now you've been to KL, so I can tell you this. Yeah. KL is, is a good flavor of Asia, right? You've got a real good sense. Mm-hmm. It's probably not the worst. You've been to Thailand. You've seen some of the real third world portion. Mm-hmm. Singapore is literally Asia light. It is like walking down the streets of California. It is so Western. 
every major Western restaurant, headquarters, school, business, everything is here. So it's comfortable because it's very familiar. I mean, I have seen the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, and it's actually not that far off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. We watched that and we were just like, oh my God. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, good to know that that movie's not appropriation. Um, but so uh, in the U.S., let's say that yeah. a an average adjustment coast to coast, um, you can collect like $48 for it. Let's just say that. Um, right. are, is pricing different? Like, is it... Because my sister, when she, again, sketchier, yeah. she was in KL, she was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I can get adjusted um, by a chiropractor down the street and it's like $10. And I'm like, wait, is he licensed hmm. chiropractor, right? Yeah, and that again, would be no. Dodgy, dodgy <laughs> as F. <laughs> that would be the back alley chiropractor, but probably not a chiropractor. <laughs> not the least. Yeah. Uh, no, so I think, so we, the good thing about Singapore is everything's really regulated. They are the, the country of rules, right? So thankfully, between TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, and chiropractic and acupuncturist, everything is quite defined with our lane. Okay. So um, although it's starting to get a bit muddied now, but the adjustment was given to us. It, like we were allowed to have it. We weren't allowed to be acupuncturist. Even if you're licensed in the US, you're not allowed to do acupuncture where you break the, the skin. Um, but yeah, so average adjustment is probably about 100 bucks, okay. Singapore dollars, which would be maybe eighty eighty five dollars okay um, American yeah which is probably in alignment I've never been a chiropractor in New York or you know L A but I have mm. that's kind of that's really nice that they keep that the the country keeps things so in your lane because I mean who hasn't had a massage in Mexico and all of a sudden they're like <laughs> pushing you're like oh wow you just adjusted my entire rib cage I don't hate it but I also don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that actually happened in Thailand too. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a very big Thai massage technique. Uh, and also, you know, the Indian barbers can also help with your neck adjustment. So oh, um, God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, th- that's been a few conversations I've had with patients about why you cannot let your uncle while you're having a shave adjust your neck. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what? The same thing goes in America. How many times have I asked a patient, a new patient, like, okay, have you ever seen a chiropractor before? Have you? And they're like, well, no, but my Uncle Joe's adjusted me before. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Lord, tell me your Uncle Joe's a chiropractor. No, but he's like watched YouTube videos. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. Um, okay. So you said you can't sit still. So what has yeah. like 15 years in practice? I know you said you've owned two practices and sold one. Mm-hmm. Um and you have four kids. Yeah, so I came single. <laughs> no boyfriend, no husband, nothing. Came single. Um, and I was here for two years. And the goal was to go to Australia. And I was that first cohort after Australia had implemented boards. So everyone who graduated six months or a year before me got to go in for free with their Canadian boards. And we all had to take exams. So I was kind of here on a let's practice a bit while I do my Australian boards. And, but then it was just after two years, I was like, I'm not ready to leave. I worked with someone else and they kind of started not closing clinics, but amalgamating them. So we had the opportunity to buy. Um, my location wasn't great. It, it just, again, it didn't feel right. So I was like, no, why not? I can do this. I'll just start downtown in the middle of the CBD. 
with no money and I'll open a clinic. Heck, why not? <laughs> so when did you open a clinic there versus, cause you were working for someone. So yeah. I opened the clinic in two, two years later. So I finished my two-year contract and I knew, um, finishing my contract, I knew that he was not looking to just extend. He was actually closing locations and making big, um, conglomerates. So because I wasn't going to buy from him, I opened mine probably six months before I closed, like I finished my contract, but not in the same area. Like I, yeah, different area. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So then when did babies and like, what's the storyline of baby's second clinic situation? <laughs> Oh, so we started the clinic and like every great person had no money started with a credit card and a beautiful friend who told me over lunch just happened to say, Oh, I sold the house. Do you want my deposit? Sure. I'll take it. Thank you for loaning me the money to start my clinic. <laughs> and to give you perspective, you have really nice people like living with this chick. You just met. You're giving me deposits. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like crazy because the rentals here are really high. And, you know, my rental was like, I think it was like 6,500 bucks, but it's two months deposit for um, two months deposit of security. Right. So you have to come up with almost 15 grand just to open your doors. How many and that doesn't feet is that? Uh, maybe a thousand four. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's yeah. And right in the middle of the CBD and that was an old building. So we were lucky because um, it was considered cheap. Mm -hmm. If you're downtown and you're in something of that size, it's usually 10,000 a month. Holy so yeah, I'm like, no, I don't want to go into that zone. Um, <laughs> I have belief in myself. I can probably come up with 6,500 a month if I can't pay staff, but I can pay my rent. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, so we opened our doors and, and ran with it. And to a degree, it was a bit more, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, was really pushing for it. Cause he's like, we've got this, we can do this. And he's, he's an accountant. He's not a chiropractor, but he, he's a patient and has been a lifelong patient and was really encouraging and, um, was like always wanting to own a business. So he kind of threw me into it cause I was happy to go work for someone else. <laughs> can I just say, I love being married to a non-chiropractor. Like, yes. I'm sure I would love like being married to a chiropractor too, whatever, yada, yada. But it is so nice having <laughs> a spouse that's got like a business degree. It's like, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So you said Singapore is, I, we're really talking about Singapore so much. I'm so sorry, but I'm so interested. <laughs> um, so you said it's really westernized. So are, at this mm. point, you've been there two years. Do you speak? Oh crap. I just got called up. What's the language there? Uh, which one? Cause there's three. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> it is a very good blend of Tamil, which is Southern Indian, Mandarin and Malay. So okay. those are the three big community uh, populations that are here that make up the country. Okay. So yeah. where did you speak any of those when you were opening your practice? No, I, phrases, phrases to be able to say, is this painful? Do you have numbness? Can you turn over? Um, hello. And some funny phrases. So the aunties would laugh at me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, so your advertising yeah. extent was, hello, I'm Dr. Shara. Is this painful? Yeah. <laughs> Phone number. Exactly. Poke, poke, poke. <laughs> so how um, did you go about marketing your clinic with not, not English. Well, there, there is English. So I, I shouldn't 
leave out English. English is probably the business language. So if you're working with corporates, most people would be speaking English. If you work in the heartlands, like really out um, away from the city centers, then it's definitely language based, but you just hire people who interpret. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And so opening your clinic in downtown, um, yeah. CBD, is that what you said? Uh, yeah. Central business district. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you like, so did you, by opening there kind of declare as a statement internally, like I work like working with corporate Singapore, like, cause I can't imagine you saw many like mothers and children or anything like that. Or did you? Well, well, yeah. So I, my very first clinic I was an associate in was in that area. Okay. Um, but then I got moved around with the company. And so I did a few heartland stints, um, and built a client base from like all over. Okay. And so actually most people assumed because I was downtown that I wanted to work with corporates or English speakers or Westerners, right? Like the expats who were here. Mm-hmm. Nope, not my bag. I want local people. I want people who live way out there. But people, once they're loyal, that's the thing about patients in Singapore, like loyalty is king. They will follow you, follow you for an hour, half an hour, 45 minutes on a train. And that doesn't sound like long, but when the country is only 45 minutes, drive across a half an hour, 45 minute train ride is like huge. You're going across the country to see me. Yeah. So (laughs) when did babies come? Or did the second second clinic come first? Uh, No, second clinic was after three, number three. So yeah, after two years and two and a half years in practice, um, we had a really good rhythm going, had a great associate. She was amazing. And she was actually a Australian trained, but Malaysian Chinese doctor. So she was coming back to Asia to practice with the intention of being closer to family and all that good stuff. Um, so she was going to be here for the long Kong. And, and so she was an associate for a year and I had my first son and then I could be off for half time for a year. So I didn't even go back to work full time for a year, which was awesome because she had already clinic was running smoothly. Okay. So you don't um, have control issues. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out this anytime, and I'm like, okay, no, I'm, you can't be. I'm trying to, I'm trying to say that smoothly, but I say it with a high squeak. No, of course I have control issues. <laughs> year, but you're from Canada, so you're like used to like that's a maternity leave. That's a normal maternity leave in Canada, right? Yeah, exactly. Gosh, I took five weeks, six weeks with my first, five weeks with my second. Well, so I I worked. Not that I would recommend that. (laughs) No, no, but I I worked part time after two months. Okay. So I came back in the clinic half time after two months, but I could stay half time because she she was good, a great presence, which was a very marked difference to my second pregnancy. So she had left, and I had another associate who, again, I had it for about a year first, and she left two months before I gave birth. (gasps) So she was there for the whole pregnancy. No, I left before I gave birth. So I found an associate who was coming in um, as a locum first to then move into an associateship. Um, but it was like she started a month before I took leave. I took leave, and I like I same thing. I was off four weeks because my clinic dropped seventy percent. Like I had no business basically. Yeah. I mean, and that's when yeah. people ask, like, how could you do that? My responses was always in numbers of like, well, uh, <sighs> my first maternity leave, my numbers dropped 60%. So let me tell you, it's pretty damn motivating to get back. And then the second one was down 40%. And you're like, yeah, that's good enough. So yeah. 
because I know how that plays out. Take another week, it'll be down to 60. So yeah, yeah, it's motivating to get back in there when you see those numbers drop like that. Well, and for that first seven years of the practice, my husband was helping me in the practice. So it was our only source of income. So if I'm not working and the practice is dropping 70%, it's not like he's got a job, which is bringing us money. Yep. And there's no unemployment and we're not local people. So we are not citizens. We don't get any, they don't have a lot of social services, but we don't get any of that kind of benefit here. Right. So when you're overseas and don't have family and don't, you know, you just, you do what you got to do. Right. Wow. You must really like Singapore. Um, to like, stay. <laughs> like you don't, cause you're not, you're not a citizen there. You don't, you didn't get no. any the perks. You, no, no. Well, I'm a permanent resident, so I have some perks, Um, but they're very strict on, because it's such a small country, they're not huge on letting people have dual citizenship. So if I took it, I'd have to give up Canadian. I wasn't born in Canada. I don't have a birth cert. So to get Canadian back would be really hard. That's a whole other story. (laughs) Yeah. So you're kind of like a friends with benefits with Singapore. Absolutely. But you're not. Yeah. Got it. So pregnancy two. Yep. Not good. Massive shock to the system. Not good. Super stressed. Um, And so came back and we rebuilt and, you know, within four months. And I credit that to the staff I had. They were amazing. And everyone was willing to do their part, whether it was a pay cut for a bit, like, you know, just everyone was willing to rebuild and and to grow. Um, So we had number two and that was great. And then number three came as a shock absolute shock. I had to shake my head. I was in the middle of a clinic reno when I found out I was pregnant. I was like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) And it was like a kick in the gut because every other pregnancy was smooth. I worked till 40 weeks out of 42. My, my second one, I worked till 41 weeks and six days. I gave birth two days later. Um, you know, number three, she was, and it was a girl, (laughs) big surprise. She was fighting with me right from like week two. And so (laughs) Uh, we have our, our own very special relationship, but yeah. So did, middle of my clinic right now, I was so tired and I was like, I'm off. I'm not even working. How am I this exhausted that I have to nap in the middle of the day? And I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's, it, it's amazing the mental power of your mindset and intention, because it was just like something shifted in me where I just thought, okay, 80 hours a week. It's tough enough with two. It's not going to work with three. You were and I just 80 hours a week? Well, between admin time, marketing time, and I was helping other doctors. So I was starting to really mentor some other doctors in their own practices as well, plus running my own practice, right? Okay, yeah. so you kind of missed... Okay, you skipped that part. So <laughs> you were starting to mentor other docs. Were yeah. They, were they other docs in Singapore? Was it... Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, mainly kind of Singapore or Asia, but it was whether they're osteopaths, naturopaths, I had a couple of dentists I work with, but people just really liked how I ran the clinic and I done some, like I was in NLP courses with people or uh, like my NLP coach was like, wow, like she was a patient and she would come in and she's like, why, why don't dentists run it this way? Or why don't I get this explained this way to me? Or how come this experience can't happen? And she's all about people's experiences and feelings and thoughts because she sees the integration. So she's like, you know, I have some docs who are struggling. Um, she had had a chiropractor for 15 years and was just like, would you be willing to talk to them? I'm like, yeah, but they may not want to hear from me because, mm-hmm. you know, people are pretty prideful or happy about the way they do things, not always looking to change. And so kind of just started with, with that, people noticing the experience they had in the clinic and then saying, 
I have someone who might want to talk to you. And so we had a lot of people come through and um, observe, like do observation and, and follow us around for a couple of weeks. And then we went through some procedural stuff, but it really came down to their headspace in their own practice and what they wanted to create. And so that how that that's how that all happened. Because a lot of times people say, well, Singapore is small. Why would you mentor there? Because you're going to be mentoring your competition. And I kind of go, well, I'm not the same as everyone else and mm-hmm. everyone's unique and different. So, you know, principles are principles, but it's still going to come out differently in the person. So, yeah. So we started with a lot of different industries initially. When we were talking, you, um, before this, we were talking about the discomfort or stepping into the discomfort of being asked to lead when maybe you don't want to, would you say that professionally that was kind of the first time that that started to happen for you where you were pushed into that? Oh yeah. I was like a cat on the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) Like don't, no, don't let go, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, that whole thing goes through your head, right? Like, who am I? Why would anyone else want to listen to me? What have I done? What's so great? Everyone knows what I know. And, you know, at that point, I had taken multiple Tony Robbins business courses and, and programs, the whole T. Harv Ecker program, Quantum Leap, which is business-based, mindset-based. So I'd done a lot of extra training to then bring that back to my practice. But to me, that was something I wanted because I wanted to feel more comfortable running a business. Because again, my husband pushed me into it and I was a cat on a ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah, it took me a long time to even stand up in the chiropractic profession and say, uh, hi, I can help you, you know, cause I, it, it's comfortable to talk about it with a bunch of other people because you, you're like, yeah, I'm a chiropractor. I can help you. Yeah. That no problem. And yeah. Oh, yeah. When it's, it's different if person. someone says, Hey, I see you. Can you help me? Women, right. um, like just tend to be more helpers. And so we're like, oh, of course. But then when it's like, okay, no, now I want you to advertise that you can help people. You're like, I don't know (laughs) if I can do that. So how did you, how did you start to get over that? Did you just like fake it until you develop confidence? Like what'd you do to push yourself? Well, I'm kind of one of those people that if something scares me, I actually run to it. Part of it is the adrenaline of fear, but the other part is that it's adrenaline and it's fun and exciting. And I also feel like if you can overcome a fear, that's huge, right? So if stuff is ex- a bit scary to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to do that. I want to tackle that, right? So I'm a little bit like that already. <laughs> that and I can't sit still. <laughs> so it, it was scary, um, but I started small, right? Started in this region. Again, it's safe because people know me here. And, but then when I had friends who were classmates or, um, in other coaching programs with me in the U S and Canada and start recommending me on Facebook, like if someone would say, Hey, does anyone know, uh, someone that does this or a mentor that does that? And people would start putting my name out. I would be like, <gasps> and I wait, Oh, no one broke down my door. Oh, okay, cool. Phew. I'm not going to be attacked. <laughs> So I don't remember who I was listening to or who I saw say this, but they said that in order to like, just be a leader in your industry or your area of expertise, you just need to be, they either said one step ahead or 10, no, 10% more than the people that you're leading. And I feel like so many of us 
kind of go through that process of like, I mean, you would listen to like Tony Robbins, you know, all of this stuff. And you're like, oh gosh, but I don't know that I know everything. And it's like, well, yeah. the person who knows everything is coaching the people right below them. Like, you yeah. know, and the so, person that knows everything is Tony. Right. <laughs> you don't need to be Tony. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I yeah. feel like that has, it's helped me in mm. uh, tackling a lot of conversations because, you know, as a podcast host, um, especially a podcast where people write in questions sometimes. And I'm right. like, oh, gosh, you want me to talk about that? And there are some that are like, I'm not 10% ahead of anyone on that. We need to bring someone in. But then there are other times where it's like, oh yeah, I remember that was something that like I dealt with in my twenties and Mm -hmm. okay, I'm not perfect at it. Like that's the biggest thing that I'm always like, yeah, I'm definitely on this roller coaster of still dealing with it, but, um, okay, here's what I've learned so far. Yeah. So how did you then take that and put it in action. Like, so how did you take that? Like, okay, I'm afraid of this, but I'm being pushed this way. It obviously, mm -hmm. you know what, the more I hear, like the more this whole, like you fleeing Malaysia thing, like it, it wasn't hard enough. There's no adrenaline. <laughs> I cannot yeah, figure out any of them. So basically, so then what happened next? Is that when you opened the second practice? Um, so, so no. So I got, I found out I was pregnant in November and I took the, deep intention of really looking at what I wanted and how I wanted to meld practice with uh, mentorship uh, or going forward, right? So the big dream and, and pull for me, my highest value is freedom. Freedom to do what I want when I want. And, and a high value is service, right? So I needed to match those because I no longer was feeling free in the practice I had. Like, you know, it was a huge practice, a very high turnover, very... Um, turnover in the sense like we were super busy, but that wasn't as fulfilling as I wanted it to be. Mm. Um, I was really getting more into the mindset stuff. I want to integrate that into the practice as well. And now I was having a third kid and I already knew what it was taking for me to manage the first two. So from November, I made the intention that I wanted to sell this practice. Now, everyone who you talk to overseas, if you want to practice, especially in Singapore, they will tell you, you can't sell a practice. Can't sell a practice here. People won't come and buy it. There's no school here that's graduating people. Like you just have to basically close up, give up all your hard work. And that's that. And June, we sold it six months later. Wow. Okay. So you yeah. haven't given birth yet. No, I gave birth to, uh, uh, a month after I sold it. Now, I wouldn't then recommend making do? a major life decision oh while you're pregnant. I am getting anxiety listening to your story. <laughs> Is your husband still working for you at this point? Uh, so at this point, a year and a half earlier, he had already gone out to do his own thing. Okay, so there's like money yeah. coming in somewhere else. <laughs> and you're mentoring, right? Because you didn't get yeah. that aspect. Okay, Correct, so, yeah. So you are mentoring... Like and at this point, I'm yeah, I'm mentoring just um, entrepreneurs even like so that was how I started. You asked how did I jump in without without feeling of not feeling like I'm good enough. I jumped into helping people that were business owners versus just chiropractors, right? So I ran a, fem a female entrepreneur program where I met weekly here, and I had it was like a free, but we did like monthly. Um, themes where each week we had different trainings and I bring in guests and we did that live, right. With local women here in Singapore. Um, and we were tied into a bait, like a chapter out of the U S 
And so we did that for two years and then, yeah, just would pick up clients as I kind of went. I wasn't even really advertising at this point, but just kind of getting my name out there. And so that was happening. Then I sold the clinic. Then I gave birth a month later. And so the idea was that I would come back and work for three or four months post baby to help with transition. And then everything went to hell in a handbasket during that. Okay. Make the pregnancy. You can't just stop yeah. Bigger. You're going to have to stop. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. On to the next topic. What happened? <laughs> so, again, anyone who's either buying or selling uh, or having any conversation of transition in any business variety, everything has to be put on paper and be clear. So, we had all our terms for the transition, uh, we had agreements. But I think between the two owners, they had a different belief of what was required. So, I was working with the principal that we had agreed I would come back half time, a couple of months to do the transition. They, they wouldn't pay me if it was someone that had already um, uh, bought a package for me previously. And, you know, we'd worked out those financials, but if it was someone new that I had never treated, but was, they wanted my help with transitioning into care. Um, so we, we had all that set out, but it wasn't written down. And so during my first month of pregnancy or maternity leave, there was a big clash with staff and, and the new owners. And I was coming in on both sides, being asked to come in to kind of negotiate that. And yeah, that part didn't go well. And it didn't actually have anything to do with me. It was just that this person obviously didn't know how to run a business, but, and it, then it became a bit of a resentment. Yeah. Resentment to me saying, Oh, well, you're the one that caused the problems. And yet I was the one asked to come in to kind of right. like, help me. Yeah. Navigate. So, so when I came back, it was, it was scary. It was like very, I was on eggshells. I felt something again, that feeling. I'm like, something's wrong here. Came to work. The girls wouldn't even look at me. And these are people who worked for me for seven to nine years, right? Like this is not new staff. And they were kind of very pleasant, but not um, like colloquial, right? Like not very, and I was connected to these girls, right? Like I've been to weddings. I've been to first moon baby parties, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? And so by the end of that first week, so I'd worked three days, the principal said, oh, um, can we have a meeting tonight? Um, I just want to go over some stuff. I'm like, okay. And I just, and I don't know, I had a weird feeling. The girls packed up early and left, which they never do before the clinic is finished. And I was like, hmm. So I finished my shift. I said, hey, you know what? Tonight doesn't work for me, um, but I'm happy to come in tomorrow, meet with you or another day, but I really have to run because I have to go get my kids. And at this point, my daughter was like maybe two months old, right? So I did. I packed my stuff up and I left. And I could see the staff looking at me like, uh-oh. Like, because they weren't expecting that, right? Like, they were like, what is happening? And so I left. And the next day on text, right, text message, um, hi, so-and-so and I, so the partner and her, uh, really feel that you should no longer work here anymore. We will pack your things up and you can collect them tomorrow. What? Right. I was just like, are you kidding me? And so, yeah, they basically what they had done is they changed the locks the night before. They asked the staff to leave early so they could just fire me on the spot that day after shift and didn't want to see me. And, um, and, and yeah, so, and I had, I had some stuff left in the practice, not a lot, but some stuff that I had left there over the pregnancy because it, you know, I didn't have room in my house or whatever. So yeah, so I came the next day early before shift because clearly now I wasn't going to work to collect it. And that's when I realized that my key didn't work. And so it was a holiday. Um, so yeah. 
holy cow. <laughs> this whole time you're not like, I should just move back to Canada. This sounds like a good idea. Well, I, I, I probably, yeah, I should have cut bait and run, but I kind of am a little stubborn and it was like, mm, no, I'm going to, I'm going to make my way. I'm going to prove that I can be here and I'm not going to be run off by anybody. And so, yeah. So, I mean, some legal stuff happened after because all of a sudden my company that I set up for coaching looked like a threat. Um, and the whole time oh. is after that baby, the whole intention was that we were going to look at moving to Australia. Um, and then that process because of, uh, sponsorship and numbers and stuff that didn't work out, but you know, that was the intention. That was the other reason why we were selling is I thought, why not sell and go now is the time to make that jump to go to Australia. So it didn't end up happening. So we set up a company while I was um, on maternity leave so I could then do the coaching because I had obviously sold the, the chiropractic clinic. So, okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> so at this point in the story, <laughs> my popcorn over here, my, it, to some, it may seem like your life is imploding. Like if there was like a point in the story where it was like, yeah, Dr. Cher is just like killing it and like doing duck dives into her gold. Um, this doesn't seem like that point, but were you, were you scared? Did you ever feel like, did you feel like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. Or is the same felt- adrenaline junkie you are not allow you to do that? No. So I, I felt like I, as far as the, what was happening, I was like, no, I can make anything work. But what I felt really bad about was I didn't know what they were saying to patients. And I had built at this point, 10 years of a relationship with these people in the community. And I don't know what this portrayal, because one day I'm there and one day I'm not. They send out this rando email because patients started sending me emails saying, what's going on? Um, and so that was where my struggle was, was the relationships that were being burnt because of how someone, and I didn't have control. So speak about control. I had no control. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I was, that's the part that killed me. The relationships with the staff, the relationships with patients, that's the part that where I was probably one of my lowest I've ever been. So it wasn't like, what am I going to do for money? I was like, Oh, I can do whatever. I'll figure that out. It was more like a gut punch that these things were being destroyed and not at my hand. And it was about me. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You didn't end up going to Australia. Yeah. So that, yeah, that like, if you know anything about Australia, you have to have, it depends on when they need certain types of professions and, and the oh. point system and, oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that all, it just didn't work out. And at this point we have three kids. So you have to consider they're now going to bring in five people and have to have those people be supported so it's not as easy to get the, um, the residency stuff that you need as though if you were single, like easier if you're single and you're coming in, cause then the country doesn't look at you like you're going to be a drain. Right. Right. Um, and you're like, bitch, I will pay my own way. I yeah. don't worry about me. Um, <laughs> when did you start the second practice then? So after this whole situation, I was laying low. Now, again, there's nothing in my contract. Um, again, if you're buying, I would highly recommend put in a non-compete clause. Um, this person never wanted one. So in theory, I could have opened up next door to her, but I just integrity and me, and I just, I didn't want to do that. So I also wanted to take a beat and, um, I started helping. I had two other colleagues that were going out on their own and I helped them start and get going and really, um, set a foundation to flourish. And so probably like nine months later, 
And that was purely out of patient demand. So I was getting emails, questions, where are you now? When are you practicing again? Like on LinkedIn, because I actively didn't market to my patient base because I was, you know, I sold that. I sold that practice. I didn't want to be not integrous about that. So it was more just based out of requests because I hadn't actually had an intention to start another one. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So we... So you started the second practice. Oh, baby four is not along yet. Okay. No, You're going to regret you giving me the two sentence. Next time you'll be like, all right, I'll give you a five minute. So when did baby four come? Uh, so I was in this practice for a year and baby four came and again, three and four surprise and complete utter shock. So okay. do they I not have help. like tax control in Singapore? What's, do you need me to ship you something? <laughs> um, I, yeah. So my loving husband, um, and I both had medical procedures the year I had baby number four, <laughs> like, and we're done. We're making yeah. it official. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So then when did the podcast come along? What, what like, did you just so continue I, mentoring and then, or was yeah, it I continued between? mentoring and started working with a few other people that were my coaches in the mentorship space and how to go online and having again, now with number four, that real desire to keep myself open to being free, like not tied to a location. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where I was like, okay, I need a bit more help to really get myself focused there. And so the idea had come a few times about a podcast. Again, I was like, cat on ceiling. I don't want to do this. What am I going to talk about? Who am I going to talk to? Mm -hmm. And so I started it last year with the idea of, okay, well, I'll bring in people that can help people Mm -hmm. with ideas and systems and inspiration doesn't have to be about me. I know nothing. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's right. You know nothing. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then when COVID ironically hit, it just, um, many stars aligned, right? So the podcast was happening. I started a Facebook group for the podcast and I just thought we're ahead of you guys. Like in the sense we had COVID two to three months ahead. We saw the changes that were coming And when it hit you guys and lockdowns were happening, I was getting messages left and right from docs and getting on Facebook calls and people were like, what are we going to do? And so I started the group, tied tied it to the podcast. And then I just started bringing in different experts and saying, what are you recommending for your coaching people? What do you recommend? And then just started interviewing Facebook Live. So I'd never done a Facebook Live. My first interview on Facebook Live, I said to the guy, what do I do? How do I turn it on? You know, like I learned as I went. (laughs) that's amazing Mm -hmm. um and so yeah so we did that through covid and then it just kind of spurred more into this look like right now we need to see that we're doing it it may be differently but people need to be inspired and empowered and so that's kind of the message that continued on with the podcast not so much like do it abc but look this person did it this way they had these struggles you can do it too this person did it this way this you know um and then black lives matter happened Yep. Yep. It did. 2020, yep. 2020 <laughs> just riding this wave. Yeah. So, and again, this, um, I, I shared with you earlier, I was brought in as a panelist across the world, right? So from an Australian Asian doctor asking me to be on a panel with African-Americans from the UK and to have a conversation, it just led me to think, well, there's gotta be other people that have something to say. And so I reached out to probably 10 or 15 powerful female chiropractic leaders in the minority space. And we had a discussion. We had to break the panel into two parts because there's so many people and like the energy was like it was going to explode the internet, right? 
Uh, and then we've continued on to having other conversations with other leaders that have, I've been luckily, you know, enough to touch base with. Your desire to run towards, um, I don't want to say like fear because that, I think that's what you said, but it's like you see an opportunity, it scares you mm-hmm. and you run towards it. That is not a natural, I mean, I think it's a <laughs> thing that a lot of people are envious of, um, you know, because a lot of times that, and that's where I said, like, I wanted to differentiate of like, you see an opportunity or mm-hmm. a problem that needs to be solved. And even mm-hmm. though in the back of your head, you're going, I don't want to be the one to solve it. You said you run towards it. So yeah. how, what kind of advice, like what goes on through you, if you can break it down that you can give to someone who, because most people are just consistently seeing an opportunity and going, someone should do something. Someone <laughs> would make a million dollars if they did that, or like, so like, can you break down, try and break down, like as if you were giving advice to someone on, instead of retreating, mm. here's how to go forward. Well, in, in the vein that I love excitement and adrenaline, like I'm a roller coaster junkie, part of running towards these things is because I know if it's fearing a fear in me and I can conquer that. It's something new I'm going to learn, but also uh, it's going to be cool, (laughs) right? Like it's going to be something I've never done before. I will say that when I had kids, I was a lot more cautious. And in this last 18 months, I've gotten back to closer being similar to how I've been. And what I mean by that is you look at the repercussions on your life and what's going to happen. And, you know, I've blown my life up. (laughs) I don't want to do that again. Um, But I think the biggest thing that comes through my mind is, wow, okay, who's that going to help? Who's that going to help? Right? So maybe people don't know about it, or it needs to be brought to a different group of people or a different area, right? Like this COVID thing. We had had so many amazing protocols in place. Like this country, honestly, we didn't even have a curve because Singapore had it locked down so well. Now we're small. Okay, I get it. Um, But they made practicing with protocols and practice in general doable. And so I was just like, yeah, it's a brutal thing to be talking about right now. And I I felt yucky. Like I was like, do I want to take advantage of this? Is this taking advantage? And then I thought, no, people are asking how to get help, how to practice with these new things happening and if they have to be locked down. So I was like, okay, well, I've been doing it for three months. I guess I can tell, share with them what's been happening, Mm -hmm. but it's really about who can I help and is it helpful? Because if it isn't, then I also you know, pivot, change direction. Um, and, and how exciting that you can help someone, I guess, really. (laughs) Do you, yeah. Okay. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) I think that most people are like, okay, I can get on board with the opportunity of if I'm successful at doing this Mm -hmm. thing, it will help someone, but what keeps them from taking action is the, but what if I'm not successful? So do you just not have a fear of failure? That was the question. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, uh, Well, I would say based on my action, you would think I don't, but I would say I do. I mean, I don't want to fail. I don't like failing. I think I just can course correct fast. Mm -hmm. So I'm not someone who will sit in a stew. 
if it's not working or my butt is in the fire, okay, what's that message and where do we need to change direction? Mm -hmm. So that I'm good at like course, correct, course, correct, course, correct. Like, you know, you don't need to be in something for 17 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is like the biggest thing that, um, I do not take at, I don't run towards things like you do at all. I'm more like, Oh, huh. Maybe I'll like, I sit and then I jump. <laughs> so like I'll mm. sit and wait and then I'll jump into it. Um, yeah. but my, frog, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it is when I've been asked, like, how do you get over like paralysis of analysis and this, uh, things like that? I go back to like, I trust that I will pivot quickly. Mm. I will, if it's not working, I will take action quickly. And so yeah. I feel like so many people who are afraid to take an action, like subconsciously, so they're afraid of failure, right? Consciously, mm-hmm. I think they can admit they're afraid of failure. But I wonder if like on a subconscious level, they're afraid that because they're not taking action right now and it takes so much yeah. to get them to move, that they will be a frog in room Hot temperature water. water. Yeah. yeah, that like, they're like, what if I don't see it not working and I can't course correct quickly enough? Um, yeah, I mean, that's um, oh, so many levels. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a good, I guess, potential. But the thing is, it's a muscle, mm-hmm. right? So the more you learn to trust your instinct, and that's where you have to get very clear about what you want. Like, I am super clear about what my laser focus direction is going to be. And along the way, I'm batting off things that are not on my path. I will take lots of different paths. Like my husband thinks I have ADD sometimes because I'm trying to do 17 things at once. But for me, I know if I take an action, the path will be illuminated. Yeah. If I take an action, the better action will be shown to me, whether it's what not to do or what to do next. But you can't, it's like your GPS. You cannot find out how to get down the street if you haven't started back in the car out of your driveway. Mm-hmm. GPS doesn't turn on until you start moving. And so I maybe move too much and it gets a bit frantic, but for me, that's always been, it's a lesson I've seen my entire life, right? So if you want something and it might be at the end, I'm not so worried about the how of how to get it. I just know I need to take the next best step I know now and I'll know whether that's the continued step or do I need to pivot? Oh my God. Two points of that of like, yeah, people, I, again, I could not agree. So I've said this before, like people want to see the whole the, the finite thing of like, okay, if I start moving, mm-hmm. I'm, where's the finish line and is it going to be okay? And it's like, you, that's not how it works. You have to yeah. start moving and then you get to see the next step and then you make that decision and then you make that decision. Um, yeah. but when I was reading, um, Joe Dispenza's most, his later book, not his first mm-hmm. one, um, he's, you know, I was talking about the universal energy and that's actually what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to see the steps to getting to the thing you want. Yeah, like yeah. That because actually, they're never the same. There's not one path that's going to be identical for getting that exact thing. And, and you will sabotage the process by yeah. insisting that like, no, 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 step three wasn't supposed to be this. It was supposed to be that. And then it, you never get to the finish line because you yeah. sabotage yourself. And I will share two things that have been like crystal clear illuminating for me in the last two years. So when I stopped taking action and I sat back on instinct, so not just, 
you know, desires like, Oh, I think I like that bag. No, but like actual messages I've been given where it's like, bam, that's in my head. I didn't even ever think of it before. So it's so clear that I know this is inspired intention. And if I didn't take action, first of all, it's like someone knocking on your brain in the middle of the night for like two months. (laughs) But as with Joe Dispenza and a bunch of other leaders, they'll say it, the universe will give it to someone else because this needs to be birthed. And I have seen in the last two years, crystal clear, word for word, things in my mind, ideas I've had that all of a sudden appeared on a website somewhere. All of a sudden, someone had a program across the world with the exact words. I'm like, okay. And you know who said it best? Michael Jackson. He said, I always had to take one step further and act faster because I knew if I didn't, it would be given to Prince and he'd get the idea for that song. Interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. So he, that's why people were like, how come you're always up at night? And why are you always like the minute you have an idea, I have to write it down. He's like, because it was given to me. And if I didn't act on it, it was going to be given to someone else. That is cool, right? A cool, I've never heard that. Um, that theory that like, and it makes sense because like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like when you're driving with your husband in silence and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, did you ever call so-and-so? And they're like, how did you know I was thinking about that? Like, right, like energy just flows through all yeah. of us. And so, Oh, the idea, the concept that an idea that comes to you is kind of like this mm-hmm. gift of like, I'm going to give it to you. And it's okay. You're going to be fine if you don't take it. Like, I don't want anybody because we're just like going to freak a bunch of people out who are scared about making a decision. (laughs) Like, ah, I got to make the right decision. No, no, no. The universe will take care of you. You're going to have other stuff. But like, if you don't want this, I'm going to give it to someone else. And so like, that might be the most inspiring aspect of like, okay, when you see an idea, um, an opportunity and you go, someone should do something about that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, do you want this or someone else will? And yeah, that is a fire under your ass if I've ever heard one. <laughs> oh, Dr. Sharon. So Singapore's out of this, huh? You guys are back to normal? Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, we're in phase two. We've got three phases. The election was yesterday. The theory, lots of people are like, oh, they're going to lock us down again. I don't think so. They're, they're pretty good. Our local cases are low. Um, and people are, like I said, the government's got it managed. So it's good. Well, we are still very much in it. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Damn, America, we're trying. You know, I'm starting to get like a little defensive because like right now the news is all like, America's handled this poorly. And I'm like, okay, listen, March and April were hell, y'all. It's not like we didn't do anything. Um, but if people want, are you still, do you still have stuff going on in the Facebook group? Yeah. So the Facebook group is a common sense practice with Dr. Shara. Um, same as the podcast. And I mean, we're doing the interviews there still. Uh, we've been running a few challenges and different, um, like I've got a couple of checklists and strategy lists from different leaders that we've interviewed kind of collated. So if people are looking for resources, yeah, they can find stuff in there. Oh, you are wonderful. Okay. So the common sense <laughs> practice, um, it's spelled normal, right? But there, is there like a, the S of sense is a dollar sign. Okay, that's what I thought. But that's yeah. just you type a normal person, <laughs> right? When you're yeah, are you where all podcasts are? Uh, yeah, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, blah blah blah, all the things. Thank you <laughs> so much. Um, 
yeah, I, any guest who doesn't give me a five to 10 minute thing is going to get me going on a 45 minute life story, <laughs> but there's so many nuggets along the way. And then I get really involved and then no way would she say next? No, she didn't. So thank you so much. Um, you're my pleasure. And, um, all right, she slayers. So go seek out the common sense practice. Uh, for those of you who listen to she slays and are like, gosh, I really wish Lauren would talk more systems and procedures and like tactical stuff. This is her practice. It's it's her (laughs) podcast. That's what you want. Um, uh, I was on it. You'll all be on there sometime. You can go listen. Um, but Again, thank you so much for being on, Dr. Shara. And thank you uh, for having me. Until next week, She Slayers. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCAD because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. <laughs>